You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and our London... That I am. Our London reunion is over, James. It was brief but meaningful, Joe. It was brief. Uh, I am back in Los Angeles. It's the day after Halloween. Halloween is uh, always sad for me these days, James, because uh, I don't I don't participate anymore the way I used to. Halloween is sad for me every year. It basically involves me making sure all the lights are switched off and I keep as quiet as possible. <laughs> that is so mean. Do you really do that? Let's put it this way. I live in London. You don't answer the door after six o'clock in the evening. You just don't. I guess in Los Angeles, it doesn't make a difference because if somebody wants to get in, they're just going to use a gun. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, we were on TV. Yes, two weeks in a row. Everybody's had a chance to see at least show number one of the brand new Poker Stars Championship, but we will be recapping both episodes one and two today. That's a good advisory because I would recommend that if you didn't see episode two on Channel 4 on Wednesday night or you live in a part of the world where it's not on TV, that you catch up with that show online at PokerStars.tv before listening to our recap today. Press pause right now. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed episode two. Robert Pankowski, you know about him now because you just watched episode two. He was an online qualifier. We all got relatively attached to him while he was there. He features heavily in both episodes one and two. We will be speaking to him later on. Boy, we're really getting a lot of juice out of that guy, aren't we? Uh, In social media, there was a guy who live tweeted episode one. And even though this is an overused phrase, it is everything james i have read this tweet thread to people to my friends here in la who have no idea what's going on in poker that's how much i've enjoyed this it is a very enjoyable thread all i will say is if this dude makes this a weekly thing we will have him on the podcast i can't wait it's less for me to have to do Uh, i took a spin at power up online for real money uh while i was in england and i almost wish we'd filmed it with james backseat driving me the whole way but uh <laughs> i will regale y'all with the story later on this week's super fan is david nichols from devon and his specialist subject is jaws the movie about the shark not the james bond villain that was Did james's contribution to you that follow my advice and rewatch the movie because you know if a super fan comes up with jaws you know that I'm going to set the quiz, and you know that I'm going to come up with some really tough questions off the top of my head. Therefore, this is going to be a great quiz for Jaws fans, but if you don't know the movie Inside Out, you're going to be going, mm, I don't know, I have no idea. If I recall, it wasn't so much advice to watch it as it was an imperative to watch it. I did say there is always time for Jaws. If, some, if I had an excuse, if you said, James, you must watch Jaws by tomorrow, I'd be like, brilliant. I've told I have to watch it. I've got an excuse to rewatch Jaws. That would that my life would be complete. Well, James, I did not watch Jaws. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> I had look. I had two episodes of our show to watch again, uh, and also Jaws is a movie. Now I'm not making any claims about the quiz, but Jaws is a movie that I've seen easily two dozen times in my life. I figured that you must have a decent recollection of the film, but uh, no, it should be a fun quiz. So looking forward to catching up with David. Uh, later on so yes last week was our halloween themed show even though this week was halloween itself 
Joe, I know you were very excited about actually being in America for Halloween because the last couple of years we've been in Malta. Not really the best place in the world to be for uh, a Halloween party. Um, Do you remember in Malta there was that like really inappropriately violent Halloween display? You, the mutilated corpse and the bloody <laughs> yeah. skeleton. <laughs> yes, it was so disturbing. <laughs> it was like, I appreciate you guys are making the effort, but too far. All I would say is, in the defense of whoever's idea that was, Neil Johnson, <laughs> yeah, John. you could argue that, well, there aren't any going to be any kids around, are there? Because it's a casino. Yeah, sure. It's fine. I'm not worried about kids. It's just, you know, there's, it was, it was a little OTT, as James would say. Um, yeah, I got, I was in Malta for a couple of years and I was in London for a couple of years. I haven't really gotten to do Halloween in America uh, for a long time. And I kind of really like Halloween so much that if I can't do it right, sometimes I'll just pout and sit it out. But what I did this year is because I didn't have a good costume is I went uh, – my roommate has a family that lives nearby in like a really um, nice like Hollywood entertainment industry neighborhood. And all of the kids from like the surrounding areas, it's like a famous spot to go to. We went through over 1,500 pieces of candy last night. Ooh, piece of candy. Uh, yeah, over 1,500 kids swung by, some kids in some really adorable costumes. This kid, I, I lived out one of my childhood fantasies, James, where I went to the to the uh, like the like warehouse store and bought a box of full-size candy bars. Wow. Um, like a case. And so kids that had really great costumes, I would give them like a whole Snickers bar. And this one kid was dressed up like macaroni and cheese, and he had made the macaroni out of paper himself. Uh, another kid showed up in what looked like a suit of armor – and he ended up telling us that his mom made it, and it was made from a visor from a car, like a sun reflection visor. Wow. And so it was really cute. Uh, most of the kids were very adorable, very, um, you know, just polite, nice kids. So it was a wild Halloween in the most innocent I, I'm glad you dialed way. it down. I was mildly concerned when I realized, oh, my God, we're recording the podcast on a Wednesday morning, 8.30 a.m. or 7.30 a.m. L.A. time. The day after Halloween, what state is Joe going to be in? Will he be able to talk? Will he have been to bed? Do you know what? I always have a steer on how the show is going to go. Bear in mind that we can see each other when we record this on the state of Joe's hair. <laughs> it's always a very good indicator. My hair is pretty wild right now, but it's, it's actually clean. It's, I say it's long, but it's clean and relatively controlled. It's not like sticking out in 78 different directions. James, I did this really weird thing over the weekend then. You're never going to believe this. So... Do you remember uh, Tiffany Michelle Hot Chips? She was on the uh, yeah the World Series. I've been friends with her for a 2006, long time. 2006, 2007, she was a big deal in poker, right? Yeah, the girl who like ate the french fries and called the clock and everyone yeah. hated her for a minute. Um, she's been a friend of mine for a while and she asked me, I landed in London, I had a text me from London, I had a text message from her and she was like, hey, uh, this friend of mine does this fitness series on YouTube and we really need a guest for tomorrow's episode we're making a poker theme now. Can you come in? And basically, it's this dude. It's called like Tread for Life. And the dude, uh, it's like a workout video that you like put on your tablet or your phone while you're on the treadmill and you're supposed to follow along. So I went in and did this fitness shoot, a 25-minute interval training um, where I thought it would be funny, sh mentioning that, James, that I stayed up all night the night before. Right. Um, and so how did that work out for you? I actually completed the training. Spoiler alert. I did it, but I, and then reported I to the emergency room half an hour later, 
pretty much exactly what happened. So I'll let you guys know when that happened, but it was pretty funny for me showing up there and being like, you know who I am, right? Like, why are you inviting me to a fitness shoot? Very fun stuff. Hopefully you guys will see it soon. Uh, speaking of watching stuff, I watched a few things on the plane. On the way back, Better Call Saul Season 3 finally finished it. Excellent. Don't want to give any spoilers to anyone who is not up to speed, but it's great, right? Yes, it is. It is great. I, I stand by the fact that it is as good, if not better, than Breaking Bad. Agreed. Um, it is just... It is just... I have no idea how some... I have no idea what other people who are making TV shows are doing with the rest of their time if, if Vince Gilligan can make a show that's this perfect all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel a little left out because I haven't even touched Stranger Things 2, and it seems like everyone I know oh, is finished so it already. boring. It's like having to wade through spoilers for a show which, I'm sorry, I do not have the time to watch 10 or 12 episodes of a TV show in one day. But also, I haven't started on it myself because obviously I've been deep in Last Chance You, which I mentioned last week. Now that I'm midway through the second season, actually coming to the end of the whole thing, Joe, this could be the greatest sports documentary of all time. It is so well made. It is so well shot. Um, Even if you have zero interest in the sport of American football, I guarantee you, you will find this a very engaging story. So this is better than Hoop Dreams. This is better than Pumping Iron. Yes. Wow. Okay. Give it a go. Seriously. Um, Just very quickly. On the subject of American football. So you know that every week for Bet Stars, Chris Moneymaker and I do these kind of breaking down these games with like some tips that might give people ideas on placing a bet on the game. So obviously Chris travels a lot. We've mentioned it before and we've said what a hero. He's away from home so much, just on the road, going to events for a multitude of buy-ins, different continents every different week. So of course... We never know where Chris is going to be. We never know what kind of internet connection he's going to have. He (laughs) travels with all the equipment he needs to do the shoot. Now, last week he was in Rosvedov at King's Casino because the World Series of Poker Europe's in town. And he'd set it up. It was on a good internet connection. He was ready to go. And it was only at the point that we were kind of ready to hit record. He realized one small problem. So he set up his computer with his webcam on the desk. The room doesn't have a chair. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, why? So Moneymaker, because we're kind of like pushed for time, doesn't want to risk calling to the front desk and asking for a chair. So he does it on his knees. Moneymaker oh kneels for, it only takes us about like 15, 20 minutes tops with like all of the kind of, you know, bullshit in the so background going on. So many jokes though, Moneymaker on his knees. Like, well, where can I, where can't I take this? Here's what I would like people to do over the course of the next few days. Tweet a picture of General Zod at Chris Moneymaker, and let's see if he gets the reference. Now, I want to be clear here. When I say General Zod, I mean Terrence Stamp. There's no way he's going to get the reference. Not Michael Shannon, General Zod. I want multiple Zod pictures tweeted at C Moneymaker, and I want to see how long it takes him to get it. I think they should maybe include a caption like Neil before moneymaker or Neil before Zod. Otherwise he's just gonna be like, snuh, he's going to have no clue, but that's half the fun. Don't make it obvious. Don't include any words. All right. All right. It's your, Hey, look, it's your meme. It's your thing. You you run your meme your way. It's, it's a silent meme. Let the picture do the talking. (laughs) And I'll tell you what I will do. I will, anyone who does that, everyone who tweets a picture of, Terrence Stamp, not Michael Shannon, as General Zod at Chris Moneymaker will go into the draw to win a Moneymaker-related prize on Ooh. next week's show. Okay. James, I wanted to do a, I wanted to do a social media beef, but I'm going to keep it positive instead and bring up something positive 
social media wise. Okay, because not being funny, I see you on social media getting into it with people every single day, if not oh, every that single gonna hour. Was that even going to be that? Was okay, that good. Be that? Good. This is a po- politics-free zone. Yeah, no, it was going to be politics-free, but also I've, I've decided to switch it to something fun instead. I just got a, a Facebook friend request um, from a guy named – what's his name? Hold on. Uh, Brendan Choppot, and he has asked me to join a group called – Brendan? The- is that your real name? <laughs> to The Chop Pot Poker Tour. Okay. And I think someone's starting a pub league in the UK called The Chop Pot Poker Tour, and I would assume – that it has something to do with us, or maybe that's just my ego talking. But anyway, are you on the lookout for royalties? No, of course not. It's just oh, okay. I'm just checking. I thought you you sold this as a social media beef. I thought you were basically going to say, "How dare you name something no. shot pot related without bringing us in on it?" It's a social media chicken. I don't know. It's something that's good. It's. I thought it was cute. It tickled me. And okay, James. At this point, I, look. If I were basing my entire career off of royalties, um, I would be uh, long gone in this industry. But I do Joe, base it off. You of- missed an opportunity. You missed an opportunity back in 2014 to copyright all it takes is <laughs> a chip in a chair. Because if you had trademarked that phrase, you would have literally dozens of dollars right now. Yeah, no, I would probably, you know, be able to afford large size candy bars for all if I had done that. Unfortunately, I didn't. However, ego stroking is is a form of currency to me, which is exactly what I've gotten from this chop pot poker. Tour. I tell you what, Brendan Chop Pot, if that is your real name, if there is a chop pot poker tour event in the London region, and when I say London region, keep it central. I don't want to go too far. I will happily play one of those events. And if Joe is in town, I think you're next back in London in early December. Correct. We will both make an appearance at your pub league game. Cool. Uh, Joe, you like having your ego stroked. Let's talk about the bearded man's last appearance on the television set. TV recap. So last week we mentioned that we are back Wednesday nights slash early hours of Thursday morning on channel four in the UK Two weeks now, Monaco Main Event 1, Monaco Main Event 2, which is day two in the first half of day three. How do you want to do this, Joe? Break it down episode by episode? Yeah, I think just somewhat chronologically. We'll probably jump around a little bit because, uh, you know, when we're focusing on one player, it's hard to go chronologically through the episode. But uh, first of all, uh, when this was on, I had a date this night in London. Shocking. And it was really difficult. When she was like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, my show's on in a few hours and we could go to my room and watch it. But I didn't do it this time because it's never turning- worked for you in the past. True. <laughs> True. But also I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and I was actually in bed and asleep by the time the show was on that night. Um, I, I'm crazy excited to be back on TV in the UK, James. Uh, I've mentioned it before and I will mention it again. I... Love the new show. I like the intro. And what I like the most is like when we go to breaks, there's this like Batman Begins music. I know. The new Pokestars Championship theme tune. Very Zimmer-esque. It's cool. Who picked that? I don't know, but I will get you an answer. <laughs> I will. It just came, it came with the editing software. <laughs> uh, I No, I, I, I liked it as well. I think the best thing about these shows is we're back to multi-day coverage. And the last yes. time we did that was at the conclusion of EPT Season 11, which so was back long in ago, right? 2015. It was a couple of years ago. So I'm really glad 
uh, that we're picking up the tournament at the relatively early stages, start of day two. And that very first show, lots to get through because you've still got a big field and it's playing through the bubble because this was still when we were paying 20% and the bubble was bursting at the last end of day two rather than on day three. Yeah, there's a lot that's sort of unique about this tournament. Just sort of the way we broke up the episodes a little different. I mean, also the fact that... Um we hadn't been on for a while that, you know, we're basically it's a brand new series. The bubble happening at the end of day two. Um, it was fun. It was really fun to, to voice these shows. And I think that um, it, it I don't know. I do get to be a viewer a little bit like a tiny bit, and I also prefer the multi-day coverage as a viewer. Of course. Uh, so episode one, as we mentioned, day two, through to the bubble, um, really a story of two prolific players, two players who are old school, for want of a better phrase. Patrick Antonius, who was up on the feature table, a former champion on the tour, uh, along with another former champ, Davidi Katai. And then Daniel Negreanu on the secondary feature table, both guys on a tear. Patrick just dominating and crushing, especially on the bubble. Loved the fact that he could wield his big stack when there were so many guys who were clearly making ridiculously tight laydowns. Yes, Benoit Lamb, I'm talking about you with Ace King. Yeah. And, Pat and Daniel started the day with starting stack, 30k, and end of the day among the chip leaders so i mean it's i think that patrick antonio's story is actually pretty cool because there's a few times where he says i don't want to bust you and there's two ways you can take that and the thing is he means it but he doesn't mean it for the reason that no. you think he means it like no. he it's, he comes across like this really nice guy like oh dude i don't want to bust you like you're here in monaco let's get the min cash together but what he really means is i want the bubble to go on forever and ever and ever exactly because I can exploit yeah, it. Yeah, so I like that was a pretty cool little thing. Um, Daniel <laughs> manages to get away from the guy flopping quads, which isn't like the most <laughs> amazing laydown ever. But for a guy that loves calling, I um, know absolutely. But what's your line? Enjoy your six chips. The poor guy flops quad aces and gets paid the absolute minimum. I like how do you, nothing. <laughs> How do you ever get paid on quad aces? Honestly, someone has to make like a straight flush or something, at yeah. which point you lose. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So let's talk about Ben Lamb for a second. Benoit Lamb, you and I had a discussion, or maybe it was some people in the booth while we were voicing this, about whether or not he was stalling. I stand by the fact that I believe he was stalling. I think it, to a certain degree he was, but there must have been at some point He's thinking, do I rip here? Do I go for it? And then when I think he realizes, actually, with my stack, I can comfortably crawl into the money, that's when I think it turns to stalling. I think it's a process he goes through. Okay, sure. Maybe he wasn't stalling at first, but then eventually... I mean, look, when they count him down all the way to zero... <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, no, for, for, for sure, for sure. Uh, and of course, talking of players who we haven't seen on the tour before... We introduced Robert Pankowski, who we'll talk to in just a second. And Robert was one of a number of online qualifiers who you and I met at a special party they had at the Monte Carlo Bay a couple of nights before, exclusive to people who won their seats online. We met Robert, we met Ben, who also featured on the show briefly, sadly got eliminated before we made the money. Um, but we just got very lucky that we met these guys and they were really personable, really nice, and were quite happy to wander around with one of these little video camera setups and, and, and vlog their experience in Monte Carlo. Yeah, that was really cool, I think, uh, for everybody involved. I really enjoyed getting to know those guys. I thought it was cool that we could be there at the party. I thought the party itself was a really cool thing for the company to put on. And 
because a bunch, it wasn't just me and James that were there. Vanessa Selbs, Liv Marie, or Igor Kurgadov, Fatima was there. Um, I think Maria Ho showed up at some point, even though she wasn't obligated. And it was a really cool experience for all these guys to get to just hang out. And by the end, that's what we were doing. It wasn't like a meet and greet thing. By the end, we were all just kind of standing around having fun conversation. It was a really, really fun night. Um, so let's talk about some social media reaction to this show. First of all, yeah. there was so much love for Joe's farmer slash informer confusion. I don't know why, but that just resonated with so many people. I was really, I mean, that was a pretty lucky payoff. I wasn't expecting that. We did, I did have to fight like a little bit for that joke in, in the room because half the room was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I knew what and you were then, talking about. You knew what I was talking about, but you were like, you like shrugged your shoulders whether or not you thought it was like worth including in the show, considering half the people didn't get it. Um, so I'm glad that that got through because there's a lot of stuff that I fight for that I'm sure literally no one gets. For sure. Uh, so let's talk about Alex's tweets then. Who is this guy and why did he feel the need to live tweet an hour of TV on Channel 4? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know it because, you know, his first tweet says, and if you guys haven't seen it, you should just go. Are we going to read the whole thread now? Or we're just going to let people go find it. Um, why don't you read us some highlights, Joe? All right. Well, I have to pull those up real quick. But yeah, this kid. Um, so Alex says, I know absolutely nothing about poker, but Staves is both hot and funny. So I'm going to keep watching. And then parentheses, he says, also, I can't find the remote. Now, I was just I just retweeted this. And for some reason, Andrew Baddeker, uh, who's played on our show before, always been very supportive of us, he went and actually looked at this kid's timeline and saw that he had live-tweeted the whole show and tweeted back at me, this whole thread's amazing, at which point I went and checked it out, and I was like, oh my goodness, it is amazing. So it basically, you know, he just kind of went goes through the, the entire show live-tweeting it, but with, with gems such as this, whoa, cute guy with a winning smile just winked, uh, are you betting for my heart? <laughs> uh, first of all, this kid's adorable because he has like basically a crush on everyone, uh, which would be like me watching, I don't know, like women's volleyball or something. Um, he, he goes through the whole timeline of like trying to figure out what poker means, um, what the bubble is. Yeah, he's confused by this constant talk about the bubble. He comments on how much he likes Maria Ho's shirt. And he's also confused about the fact that, I guess if you don't know poker, that the chips they're playing with have no direct cash value. So when we say Daniel started the day with just 30k, he's like, oh, only 30k. So it's not real money. His, his favorite tweet probably of the whole thread is this one. Uh, Wait, is poker about money? <laughs> that was my absolute favorite one. Alex, I hope that you've watched episode two. I look forward to seeing uh, if you... Uh, Give us something similar. I'm right on board, James. If this is a thing, we'll have to test him out maybe, but I'm more than happy to uh, have him do a lot like a, an in-person on the phone Skype recap of the show. Sure. So let's talk about episode two then, which aired this week. Uh, if you did miss it on Channel 4 and you're in the UK and Ireland, you need to catch up via channel4.com slash poker. Everywhere else in the world, you can see the show at pokerstars.tv. And this was the reverse of episode one. Patrick Antonis's chip stack went up, and in this show, it goes down. We see his decline over the course of the show. He comes to the feature table with hardly any chips and is out a couple of hands later. Bye, Patrick. Yeah, um, and that's, uh, 
you know, the brutal, th- I guess poker's a little like Game of Thrones, right? TV wise. It's like, just because someone's like crushing it one episode doesn't mean they're going to be around for even one more entire episode. Um, we see some, some bad things happen to our, our heroes over the course of the next few episodes. But Patrick single-handedly fell, I think, three massive parts against, was it Jerome Lostis, the player he was against in those hands? This guy, Lostis, like pretty much just owns Patrick. And I'm not even really sure. Like he owns him by like check calling most of the time and just showing down a winner, which is why poker can be such a frustrating game sometimes. Like sometimes there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, as I, was, I said to James the other day, we were voicing something else. Sometimes you just have to show down the winner. Like you can't yeah. always outplay everybody. And uh, this guy. Lostis just makes quick work of Patrick. And then you notice, James, that it's the same name, first name guy who eventually takes him out. Um, Jerome, which Jerome is Brion. weird. Yeah. Yeah. That Patrick gets Jerome pwned just for this entire episode. Just don't play poker against people called Jerome. And I'm including Phil Ivey in that, <laughs> in that category. Uh, so at the feature table, it starts off with Daniel and Elke. Hussein Ensan comes to the main stage. Selena Lynn comes to the feature table as well. Selena Lynn departs the feature table and we're going to hopefully catch up with Selena on next week's podcast because I think Selena's insight will still be relevant because obviously episode three will continue to follow the Daniel Elke Ensign dynamic and because Selena was at that table I'm sure she'll have something to say about that and I do also want to get her thoughts on her elimination hand because and again She's a much better player than I am, and she's had more results than I probably will ever have. But I thought her call with ace-queen in that moment was a little bit spewy. Yeah, absolutely. It would be great, too, because Selena's the type of person where I go, oh, yeah, no, I fucked up. That was, <laughs> you know, she, she could very easily say that. Um, this episode also, James, teases, and I'll try my best not to spoil it, what an absolutely torturous Hellraiser movie of a poker tournament that this is going to be for Elkie. Uh, it's just a little bit of like, if you guys saw this episode and you see the pain that Elkie goes through toward the end of this episode, it is nothing compared. And But he somehow survives most of it for a while, but he just really just gets beaten up the entire tournament. The Elkie story continues for many episodes, and obviously at some point we need to get Elkie on the podcast so that he can relive the pain, the torture, oh, God. Uh, and look, the great moments he has as well. Um the other thing we should talk about, and this is a funny one because I don't know, is it a sad story or is it a happy story? It's Robert Pankowski part two. We saw Robert make the money in episode one and here he manages to ladder, but crucially we do see his demise because his aces get cracked, which just seems so unfair, but he does cash out for the better part of 10K. So I think we should consider it a happy story rather than a sad one. I think we can just, you know, what the, what's the word bittersweet? Um, it would have been great to see him continue further, especially because I think there was a certain point that he well, maybe right away even, but he was really enjoying the ride. Like he just was loving every second of it. He was vlogging. He was checking in with us. He was tweeting at us. He was doing funny little photoshops sort of, uh, for, on his Twitter account to show how much fun he was having. So I don't think he would trade it, obviously, um, you know, it's a it was a pretty good run, and even though the end had to be sad, he, he took it pretty well. So I'm going to go with overall happy story as well. Okay, well, let's see if he considers it to be a happy ending to the story, because he is the guest 
on this week's podcast, having been a huge part of episodes one and two of the PokerStars Championship Monte Carlo main event. We welcome to Poker in the Ears, the online qualifier, Robert Pankowski. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. What's up, Robert? He not only did he feature in those television shows, but he featured in our lives. I was going to say, Robert, you have now completed the trifecta. You have featured in the TV shows, <laughs> you have featured on the live stream, and you've had features on both of those outlets. Plus, of course, you joined us for some guest commentary on the live stream, and now you're on the podcast. That's a superfecta. That's four things. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's plenty of stuff that uh, I wanted to do, but uh, there's still some things I missed out on. Like what? Like being on... Uh, the feature table uh, and getting some sort of nickname. Well, and, uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing, Robert. Obviously, we were able to follow your story for two out of eight shows, but you rather selfishly decided to go broke on day three and cash out for ten grand and deny us the opportunity to put you on the feature table and follow your story through to the conclusion of the tournament. And you rather selfishly did not get seated at a table with a big name poker stars pro. Yeah, I should have thought about it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about it. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Here's the thing. I actually wanted to start the story from the beginning because obviously we pick up the tournament from the start of day two, and at that point, obviously, uh, you were coming into day two and you were looking to make the money. But how was your day one? Because there's a whole eight levels of poker played on that day that we don't get to see. James, that's a great question. Uh, well. Actually, that day of the year was probably the day I was in my best shape. I was getting ready for that tournament as if I was, uh, uh, you know, going to uh, participate in, U in a UFC match. I was cutting weight. <laughs> I was getting in shape, eating clean. So I was ready for uh, the first day of that tournament and um, basically enjoying every single moment of it. Pretty much all day I spent on a short short stack, uh, and uh, was trying to survive. And I had a really cool uh, ending of the day when I was um, playing. I was moved to a table with uh, Mr. Tedeschi, uh, who uh, at the time it was like. I think it was the last hand of the of the day uh, when I had kings on my hand and we had a 10 high flop and something felt wrong about the whole hand and I folded those kings and later on he told me that uh, he had aces. Wow. So uh, if I if I yeah if I went broke in that hand I wouldn't I wouldn't you wouldn't even see me in the in the second day. I hope he had aces because I always tell people they made a good fold. Like that's my standard line is like ah oh, good fold buddy. Oh, he actually hit me in in the in the arm and said, and said, how how could you fold there? How could you fold there? <laughs> you so, denied him chess. Okay, I, that's more believable that he has aces than if he looked genuinely pissed off about it. But you mentioned that you got to share a table along the way. I think you got to play against Jason Mercer at one point. Was Dan Coleman on your table at some stage? Yes, Dan Coleman Coleman was uh, on the table when we started day two, and that was just you know I. I all night I was thinking about uh, how would I play against him, but I, I was uh, I was denied that opportunity. I didn't uh, have any hands in the hands where he uh, opened, and later on somebody busted him. Isn't that better? 
that you didn't have the chance to play against Dan Coleman? Yeah, before the money, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I prefer to see him out and play against people who I don't know than uh, against Dan. And what was your plan? Because I tell you what mine would have been laying awake the night before. Flop the nuts, turn the bigger nuts, river the super nuts, get it all in. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of what my quote-unquote plan would be. Well, that's a good plan when you have some chips. I was... Uh, I was basically with the starting stack from day one uh, on day two, so I didn't have much chips. And uh, I was pretty much, whenever I had a shovable hand, I shoved it. And uh, I had some fun players who were superstitious at my table and or believed that the dealer would deal them out some sort of... Uh, uh, terrible flop, so they so, so they were folding jacks. And, they were like folding queens because it was like four forty four, and that's their unlucky number. Stuff like that. Stuff like that, and yeah, and that was uh, that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty lucky. But you know, uh, if I had players like like that at my table, I just shoved and went through. So in the first episode of the TV show, Robert, we featured some highlights from the uh, qualifiers party where we met. And where one of our producers gave you the Handycam package, which we then asked you to film with for the duration of the tournament. Um, thank you very much, by the way, for filming that video blog, sections of which we used good across stuff, yeah. those two TV shows. I mean, in a way, w was it a good distraction or in a way do you wish you'd been more focused on playing poker rather than filming yourself? Uh, I, I was I was really grateful for the opportunity, first of all. Thanks. Uh, and... Uh, I had plans to record my. Uh, I had. I, I took a GoPro with me. I, I was having plans to, you know, to, to record my whole experience for myself and to share it with my friends. But since you made it, uh, uh, you know, you suddenly expanded the pool of my friends that I could share it with. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate it, and uh, it was fun. It helped me uh, refocus. Uh, sometimes I was talking about the way I felt throughout the hands between uh, uh, on breaks between this between going back to uh, the poker table and that really uh, I think it was a, it, it helped me a lot uh, it wasn't a distraction at all good maybe good. sometimes it was a maybe help sometimes. not a hindrance that's what we want to hear because the other thing of course that being the qualifier who we're focusing on brings is that every time you're in a hand you're going to have a TV crew pointing cameras at the table. And I'm just interested, was anyone at your table like, why are they filming this guy? Like, who is he? Because uh, people no, say that about me. <laughs> and I'm like relatively well known. And they're like, why are they filming this guy? Who is he? Uh, didn't have no verbal reactions. Didn't notice anyone, uh, you know, making any faces. Uh, they looked. Uh, I, I, I've seen people stare at me when I was running around with the camera and trying to catch the uh, the bubble moment of the tournament. So when when that happened, you know, that was a bit weird. That there was all, all the camera crews and me with my little handy cam <laughs> <laughs> trying to catch the moment. Uh, so that was that was a bit uh, you know weird, but nothing beyond that. Let's talk about the bubble and the cash for a second, if we can, please. Um, if you could talk a little bit about how you were feeling in the moment, and then also what... Now, you didn't win the event, and you didn't have a six-figure no. score, but I've been free-rolled in things before, and I am 
I've never actually cashed any of them. And all I can think about is, man, if I could only min cash, Jesus, money would be such a big deal to me to just have free found money. And I'm just wondering, so what your feeling was like on the bubble and then also walking home with like a nice chunk of change for free. Like, what did that money do for you? Did it change your life? Did it go into your poker bankroll or did you actually get to spend it on some real life stuff? Okay. So, um, the, the time when it was close to the bubble, I actually got moved to the table with uh, Jason Mercier and uh, other known guys. And that's the moment when I actually began having some chips in the whole tournament that I could play with and make some moves other than just all in the shelves preflop. Uh, so uh, instead of being excited by min caching, I was you know excited by having chips and getting to play against those players. And I was a little bit. Uh, underwhelmed that everybody was playing so slowly because I wanted to get in some more hands. And I played the most interesting hands on the bubble against uh, against the players at that table. So you were not uh, you were not sweating the bubble. You were wanted uh, you were a bubble bully? I was a bubble bully, yeah. Yeah, I was I was squeezing squeezing the max from the bubble nits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What? Un- un- that's unbelievable. Kid gets to show up to Monaco, free roll, gets to be a bubble bully. I mean... Now, should point out, not a quite a free roll. Remind us, Robert, how you qualified for the Monte Carlo main event. Uh, I did qualify through a satellite, for an online satellite, for 82 euros, if I I remember correctly. Okay, well, that's, right. that's pretty good. I mean, 82 euros for a 5k buy-in. And remind us what you do when you're not playing poker. Uh, I am an IT consultant, a webmaster for uh, French Telecom. Um, I'm working in internal communication and uh, other things that are not really that impressive outside in the poker world. Well, having a job at all is pretty impressive. And it sounds like a job that can be quite intense. How much time do you actually have to play poker? I'm guessing you're not one of those people who's grinding the satellites every other day of the week. Uh, no, I'm not grinding the satellites every other week, but I do play a lot. Uh, I don't have the opportunity to play. Uh, James, he the, works the, in IT, which means he's playing satellites while he's ignoring your requests for uh, help. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not happening. But uh, and if my boss is listening, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, the, I'm playing satellites when I when I get back home to Poland because that's where I can play, or I'm outside of France because uh, the satellites here are not to the tournaments, the huge tournaments I want to play. Of course, you're in a closed market. <laughs> well, that's just the tournaments I'm interested in. So uh, I am trying to you know, qualify for the PCA or, or Prague uh, this year. So that's that's the things that I'm, that I'm interested in. So talk to me about uh, the money that you took home and what you have done with it since. So I uh, cashed out... Uh, a portion of it, 1,500 euros immediately, and lost it immediately in, in some cash games for f- following the tournament. In Monaco, uh, some live cash games. Yeah, just immediately blew it off. Um, and uh, probably not the smartest move. <laughs> All I will uh, say is at least it was only 15%, because I imagine a lot of people have withdrawn 100% and left all that money on uh, the bye-bye. table. <laughs> 
do you have somebody on on your mind yeah uh, it's called every old school pro ever like that i mean that was very common back in the day for guys online and guys live to hit have a big score and then literally lose it minutes later trying to take a run at the big game and not always at the poker table of course oh, the yes. legend of players like tj cloutier who couldn't get past the dice pit once he'd cashed out from a tournament yeah <laughs> well, well fortunately that wasn't my case i took the uh 85 home spent it on normal bills you know basic uh basic stuff that you, you just want to spend money on uh nothing fancy i enjoyed myself in monaco i went to the uh novak djokovic restaurant for a nice meal and nothing beyond that uh for celebrating the the winnings i enjoyed the cash games but they were pretty uh, pretty short i spent like probably two or three hours at the cash tables uh and and lost that portion I played one uh, one small tournament following the main event, uh, and also got busted quite quickly. But it was a very turboish uh, tournament, and with not much uh, to talk about. So, welcome to poker retirement. You had your score. <laughs> Thank I, you. I think what's very telling is the fact that having had that experience, you're very keen to repeat it. You mentioned the fact that you're trying to win a seat in Prague. You're trying to win your way to the PCA. Basically, you want to live this again. Uh, yep, I would love to. It was a, it's a nice experience, uh, especially when you uh, qualify early, because then you have something to look forward to, and uh, make all your plans and just uh, get ready, uh, and repeat the whole process over again. Because I'm telling you guys, I was, I was, uh, I was really getting ready, like for a for a boxing match or. A, UFC match. So I know that if I qualify for PCA, I'll be back in shape. I will lose some weight. I'll look better. <laughs> feel better. And uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. And I also did uh, try to play some online uh, big games. I played uh, with the in the W Coop uh, in the 1K that uh, Stapes. I, I, I think you played that one. I was watching Nanonoko and, and at the same time when he was playing and uh, people in the chat, in the Twitch chat were commenting that you were playing and if it was really you and why is he playing those stakes? And <laughs> uh, <laughs> good question. Excuse me? That's the Twitch chat. He's just reporting what people were saying, Joe. Right. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's just my level. Maybe that's my bankroll. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I couldn't even get one bounty. I'm still really upset about that. Like, I, I really need the money. Anyway, well, this I, is not I, about me. This is about you, Robert. Robert, uh, do you want a chance to win more free shit from Poker Stars? Uh, always. Do you yeah. want to win playing one of my dumb games? Uh, let's try. Let's try. Yeah, sure. Now, I don't know what you managed to pick up in Monte Carlo, Robert, but do you have one of the much-coveted mini chipsets? I do not have that. Fine. Well, that's on the line here. If you can conquer Joe Stapleton's dumb game, then we will ship you a mini chipset. Okay. That's high stakes. All right, Robert. Have you ever heard of my famous classic, a.k.a. well-worn-out game called Race Situations? Uh... Probably, I'm not sure. Well, you've uh, you've heard me before on the TV shows and the webcasts is that whenever there's a flip happening, I will try to compare it 
to something in the real world? Yes. Yeah. I've got nine race situations for you, Robert. One of each of these has a slight mathematical advantage. I have not chosen the answers. The answers are just are what they are. And of course, one of these answers is a hidden domination. Okay, there's one ace-king versus ace-queen. There are nine questions. If you get five or more right, you win. And if you get the domination, that'll count for two. So a chance for a bonus. Okay, okay. All right, here we go. Now, I realize that uh, I kind of realize it now, but didn't when I was preparing the game, that you're Polish and that you might not get all of the references that I make. So I will allow you in one instance to swap out one of the questions for a Polish-themed race and <laughs> one other time you may Hector a heart again for a lifeline, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Race number one, the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones. Um, the Beatles. Give it to him. Correct. Slight mathematical advantage to the Beatles. We're one and zero. Let's keep it going. We're talking old timey poets here. Shelley versus Byron. Byron. Byron sure. is correct. Two nil. Iambic pentameter versus dactylic hexameter. Uh, I will heckle it hard again. Iambic pentameter. Wow, he is right. Three nil. Moving on to the animal kingdom. Seabiscuit versus Man O' War. Seabiscuit? Oh, I'm so sorry. We were looking for Man O' War there. On to sports. Tyson versus Ali. Ali. Correct. Looks like we've already got a winner here. 4 1 is the score. Tinder versus Bumble. Uh, is that the domination question? <laughs> I don't know. Let's say Tinder domination. Tinder is correct. We're going to ask you for the domination once you've heard them all. Okay, okay. Wheel of Fortune versus Jeopardy? Um, bu -bu -bum. Where's the slight mathematical advantage? Uh, Taking it seriously, I like it. Jeopardy. Jeopardy is correct. You're crushing this, dude. I like your chances. Six and one. We have a winner. For getting back. No, I like your chances for flipping in a tournament. Oh, I see. Yeah. Coffee versus tea. Coffee all the way. Coffee is correct. And finally, six-pack abs versus have, having a six-pack versus having a sense of humor. Sense of humor. All right. Well, you only missed one question the whole way there. Do you know which one is the hidden domination? Um, well... You thought it was Tinder over Bumble. Having heard them all, are you still going to go with that answer? Uh, well, I'm thinking you wouldn't probably go for Byron. <laughs> that sounds like a domination because I don't... <laughs> That's I, I Lord know Byron that to you. Yes, sir. Um, well, I'm going to go for the final one. Sense of humor. That is correct. Six sense of humor is the hidden domination over having a six-pack abs. And that was worth two points, right? Well, he gets an extra bonus well, point Well, here's for the it, thing. So. It doesn't really matter, but the final score is 9-1. Robert, you crushed the game. We're going to send you a mini chip set. Congratulations once again on your score in Monte Carlo. Thank you for being a part of the TV shows. Thank you for being part of the live stream. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, guys. I'm so happy. I'm really 
really thankful for the whole experience and uh, appreciate it. You're a good kid. Thanks for, for providing us with all this content for your $82. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Hope to see you in Prague so we can do it all again. Well, see you soon. So our thanks once again to Robert Pankowski. Uh, as we mentioned on last week's show, there is a new game now available on PokerStars. It is called PokerStars Power Up. Joe and I have played the game. I've played some play money versions. Joe has played some real money versions. And we thought we would share with you our experiences. Adventures in Online Poker. I think it's uh, I think it's a really fun game to play, and at first you're kind of like, ah, but once you've played a few games, and that's why I would recommend, by the way, if you've never tried Power Up, I would recommend giving the Play Money versions a spin first. Just get yourself to grips with the format. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, don't do it the way I did it coming up here in Adventures of Online Poker. Don't just jump. Now, luckily, the highest game you can play is a $7 buy-in, so I couldn't do too much damage, but it is relatively complicated at first. Um, so I would agree with James. Play some play money first because there are a little bit of... Um, there's some like some nuance to when you can play your power ups and when your opponents can and what cancels what out. And if you don't realize uh, how that all works, you can do what I did, like in my game number one, where I made a really stupid move uh, based on what I think what happened, James. It was uh, I'm so glad James watched me play because that way I can I didn't have to remember everything on my own. Where a guy very clearly like used a power up to look at the next two cards when he had a flush draw and made his flush, and then I moved all in. Yes. He basically looked at the next cards, decided to keep those cards, so clearly knew that he was going to get what he wanted, and you made the mistake of putting all your chips in the middle. But you learn these lessons really quickly. You realize two key things. And just to be clear here, this is a game where you have energy and powers, and you yeah, spend that energy. Yeah, I guess we should energy. explain the format really quickly. Yeah. It's, it's looks- like a mix of Hearthstone and poker. You've got these power cards. Every hand, you get a couple more mana, uh, and you can keep up to three cards, uh, power-up cards, in your hand. Yes. And at the moment, there are nine powers available. It's no secret, and I spoke to Team Power Up this morning. There are going to be more powers in the future. There are new ones in development as we speak. But they will do things like disintegrate a card that's on the flop upgrade your hand by giving you a third hole card and allowing you to discard one we talked about the scanner being able to see what the next two cards are going to be and whether you want to keep them or discard them so obviously it really changes the game you realize two things really quickly number one that people will make the mistake of wasting their powers and their energy during the first level in inconsequential pots the second thing is understanding that position and closing the betting action yeah. has never been more important to the point where you always want to be closing the action so that you can play your powers at, at the end and then people can't change stuff that you've then engineered for the future. Right. And there is literally a card called Engineer, by the way, where you can uh, set things up in your favor. But if you do that, then your opponent can cancel it out. So you really need there's only, I guess there's that only one power, right? You can play the EMP, which shuts down everybody else's power. Exactly. And I love firing the EMP just for shits and giggles because it's an awesome explosion that then fries the entire screen. Everything starts crackling. And I still get off on stuff like that. Well, that's what I wanted to say is that the, the 
I haven't played this game enough to decide whether or not I I really like it. Like, I was the experience enjoyable? Yes. I have to play it more to find out, like, if it's going to stand the test of time. I will say they made it really fun with the lights and the sounds and the noises and the pops and the crackles to make it really gratifying to fire off those pleasure sensors in your brain to get those endorphins flowing where you're like, ooh, this is pretty and fun. They really nailed that. Um, so we, we made a, I already said, I, I played, by the way, I have a ridiculous ROI in this game. I may just retire <laughs> as a winner, having played two games and won one of them. I really feel like I should go out on top. At the moment, the format is it's just like a spin and go. You're going to get drawn against two random opponents. The blinds go up quite quickly. It's quite an aggressive structure and it's winner takes all. The blinds go up quickly, but I felt like there's a little bit more play to it. There is. And this is something that I, one of my initial questions was going to be, you know, why does it play so shallow? And then I realized that number one, you are limping a lot more because it's a post-flop game. And with all of the powers, that's a, that's a crucial element. And yes, you can legitimately play out of a five big blind stack. You're not in shovel fold territory. Well, like in the first game where I made that really dumb move and ended up getting stacked like very early on, I, I ended up going out in third place, I think, but I lasted a long time. I doubled up a couple of times and was really right back in it at one point. So I found that to be pretty fun. Maybe frustrating if I was on the other end of that. Um, game two, I had a little bit more experience now. I could sort of... Um, I was not going to make the same dumb mistakes. I will admit, if James had not been there to coach me, I probably would have been out very quickly. Game Again, James picked this up really quickly. I gave you a hot tip, and the hot tip I will tell you people is combining engineer with the reload upgrade options. Because remember, that engineer basically gives you the option to look at the next uh, three cards in the deck and select which one is next. So that is the card that's going to come off the deck next. Now, sometimes you're looking to hit your flush. So maybe you want to select a heart to make sure there's three hearts on board. But what it's really good for is if you want to upgrade your actual hole cards. So if you've got, for example, ace rag and you hit the engineer button and then select an ace, then you hit reload and you change the rag card for the other ace. Suddenly you've got pocket aces. And that combination of powers is really cool. And that's another reason oh. to save your energy to combine those powers. The other right, thing I because it's the next card off the deck you're looking yes. at, not the next card to be dealt down. Yes, exactly. And remember, no burn cards in online poker. So they literally will be the next cards. And that's why I suddenly realized if you play the intel power, which is always showing you the next card, even when the river has been dealt, Intel is still showing you the next card, and you're thinking, there's no more cards to be dealt. Ah, but I can still take that card if I want to reload or upgrade. Uh, the other thing I love doing is disintegrating random cards as a bluff. I'm just going to disintegrate the three here just to confuse my opponent. <laughs> and it's amazing when people go, w why is the three relevant? Next thing you know, they're playing the X-ray power to try and reveal one of your hole cards to work out, has he, is, 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 is he, what's, he's got deuces here and he's worried about the three? I wonder if anyone has really cracked this game yet. If there's just some guy out there or girl or like group of people who are just destroying these because they've figured out like optimal strategy already. And, I, you know, obviously if they did, it wouldn't be news right away. They'd probably want to keep it a secret as long as they could. Uh, game two for me had a really cool ending, like a movie <laughs> ending. And not a very good movie. Think lucky you deal. Yeah, pretty much the same thing, but it was pretty cool because, well, uh, James, make sure, can you tell the story? Make sure I tell it right. I had one ace in my hand, right? 
you did have one ace in your hand, the guy moved all in, and you're like, yeah, I think, you know, you know, I think you had ace four. And you think, I think with ace four here, with these stacks, it's probably a con. Like, Joe, Joe, you've got the reload power, dude. No, or, 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 so, or you've got the up, so you've got the upgrade power here. Upgrade. Take another card, and you take another card, and it's another ace. Discard the four, pocket aces, I call, boom, wins the tournament. Such a dick. I would have been so mad if I was that other guy, but whatever. That's power up poker, everybody. Um, James, what uh, what were information were we able to get from the creators of this? Okay, so at the moment, as I said, the game is basically playing as a, as a spin and go. There are thoughts about whether the format could apply to other games. For example, whether you could have uh, power-up tournaments, whether down the line there could be a different version maybe that's like a power-up cash game. There's definitely giving thought to that. And as I mentioned, there will be more powers coming soon. I was interested to know why the energy caps at 15, why you're only allowed a maximum of three powers. This is all stuff that was tested during the development phase, and it's the optimal number, because what they don't want is a situation where the powers just dominate the game. There still right. has to be that element of poker to make it, you know, not so ridiculous. You want the powers to play a part, but not be the whole game. I would like to see, I love the fact that they limit to holding three powers at a time, but what I don't like is that once you have those three powers, you're stuck with them until you use them. What would be cool is if you got dealt another power and then you could discard one, because I think limiting to three is great, but it'd be nice if you're supposed to be getting a sure, new one. Don't forget, you can play those powers. I know you may feel you're wasting them and you're wasting energy. But if you don't want, for example, EMP, just play it. As I said, just see a really cool explosion and then fold and you're going to get a new power. Maybe down the line, they will allow people to swap out their powers because they are listening to feedback. They're across the forums um, and they are obviously looking to make this game bigger and better. And it's still beta test at the moment. This is not the final, final version. Um, as I said, a game that's not going to be to everyone's taste, but I don't think it's a problem if these games exist and you don't want to play them. Because as I mentioned, traditional poker not going anywhere, as evidenced by a big tournament taking place this weekend. It is an ultra satellite for PCA 2018. Nice. This is part of the Road to Bahamas promotion that's trying to send hundreds of qualifiers to the PCA in January. This event is taking place on Sunday, the 5th of November, remember, remember, Ooh. at 2.35 p.m. Eastern time. Now, it is a $530 buy-in, okay? It's a bit, it's an expensive one. But right now, I've seen in the lobby that there are $55 sit-and-goes offering two seats to the Ultra Satellite, and there's a $109 sit-and-go offering four seats. So again, satellites into the satellite. But there is an extraordinary value because there are 100 packages guaranteed wow. in this Ultra Satellite, which by my calculations is about $1.5 million in prize money. Uh, because remember, that package is the 10K main event buy-in, nine nights accommodation at Atlantis, $1,000 towards travel, and $1,000 room folio at the Atlantis Resort. Um, so this should be a really big tournament. It might not cover. There could be overlay because 100 packages are guaranteed in this $530 buy-in event, 2.35 p.m. Eastern time, what we call PokerStars time, on Sunday, the 5th of November. And if you are trying to win your way into the PCA, maybe you don't want to tell us because if you don't make it, you'll be embarrassed. But like, let us know um, if you're planning on playing these. Let us know 
if you uh, are trying to win your way to PCA for, for any other reason, because we would like to just kind of keep tabs on you from the very beginning. I would love personally to know that, hey, Johnny Poker fan from uh, from whatever, Lancashire, uh, is trying to win his way to the PCA. Oh, he won his way to the PCA. And then we can say hello while you're down there because, uh, you know, we're really interested in people like you. And talking of fans, let's not forget that Prague is just around the corner. The Pokestars Championship Prague takes place just before Christmas. And right now on the show, we are going to give one lucky superfan the chance to win a satellite ticket to that event. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week we are going to the southwest of England and saying hello to David Nichols. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Hi, hello. Hey, David. You're showing off a lot of shoulder in your avatar here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, less mentioned about that, please. <laughs> okay, fine. No problem. We can just move along. David, what's your yes, story, please. bro? I, was that, uh, are, you, are you a fireman? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher here in the west of England, science teacher. Cool. What kind of science? Um, oh, biology, chemistry, physics, whatever they want me to do. Oh, wow. So uh, does it change? Uh, do you teach one of those subjects per year? They assign it to you or you teach all of them at once? I've done all three today. Wow, holy Dif shit. Yeah, yeah, different classes want me to teach them different things every day, so... Do you know that it's chemistry? I was in most of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, sorry, it's not meant to be a sick, uh, a humble brag, but I was in all the advanced classes when I was in high school. Um, where that, did it all go wrong is my question. Well, it all went wrong in chemistry where the, my chemistry teacher said the first test is the easiest test of the year. If you don't do well on this, you should consider dropping this class. And when he handed everyone their test back, mine had the drop slip attached to it. Oh, like oh, yeah. pre-signed. Wow. So chemistry, I was really, really bad at it. Could not wrap my head around chemistry. Which, uh, which one do, do your kids struggle with the most? Oh, I think they're like you, Joe. I think our chemistry is tough. Chemistry is probably the toughest, I think. Our biology is the one I find the easiest, but we've, we've got to try and do all three. So try and make it as easy as possible. What is the most ridiculous thing that has happened to you recently in a classroom? Uh, well, actually, um, today... There was, uh, um, I managed to destroy my laptop in a chemistry <laughs> experiment, literally this Did morning. Did you destroy it with a Bunsen burner? Put some, put two chemicals together over a Bunsen burner. Uh, failed to realize quite how strongly they would react. And uh, <laughs> there was a mini explosion and no one was injured. My laptop has Hang got on. several melted Hang keys on, on it now. David, David, the kids <laughs> aren't meant to know how the chemicals will react. You're meant to know that shit. I am meant to know that. Yes, yes. And I'm hoping desperately that none of my uh, colleagues or bosses are going to be listening to this. <laughs> I've, got to explain David, the damage, I've got to explain the damaged laptop to the IT department later on. I think David's uh, better off trying to explain uh, the damage to the IT department, claiming it was two chemicals, quote unquote, rather than being like, oh, no, somebody used their EMP and power up poker and it really pissed me <laughs> off. So, I, so I, I got bad beat on the river. So I smashed my laptop. Yeah, that, that wouldn't go down well. So, David, when you're not preparing uh, the youth of today for the future, uh, how much poker do you get to play? Uh, not as much as I would like. I mean, I, you know, it's a full-time job, and I have a two-year-old daughter as well. Um, I try to play online whenever I can. So maybe the odd sit-and-go in the evenings. 
Um, I don't get to play many big tournaments because I just don't have time. And uh, live, very little, really. Um, there is a, there's a live game in our local pub uh, once a fortnight, so I go to that when I can. Um, but no, not, not anywhere near as much as I'd like to. OK, well, we're going to give you the opportunity to play online, which will hopefully lead to you playing live because we're going to offer a satellite ticket to the Pokestars Championship Prague should you win the game of course which is themed around the movie Jaws this was music to my ears David it's one of my favorite films of all time John Williams Uh music to his ears oh very nice Joe that's not one of the questions the questions are far more advanced than that because I was able to compile this quiz without using the internet now I did verify everything I did double check but crucially I know enough about this movie and remember this movie well enough to actually do it from the top of my head um I would like to say, by the way, that the USS Indianapolis speech in Jaws is probably the single greatest scene in cinema history. It's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Now, when was the last time you saw the film, David? Uh, the last time was a, a few months ago. Oh, but, dear. Uh, conservative, I think I've seen it 30, 40 times at Okay, least, so. I think you're going to be okay. Joe, you've seen I, it I several times. I look forward times. to the... I look forward to the two zero shellacking David is about to give me. <laughs> we'll, we'll um, see. We'll see. I, I didn't I've want seen... to watch it. I did. I did. I, I should have watched it sooner, but I uh, haven't had a chance. But hopefully I've seen enough. I, uh, I've seen this movie probably a couple dozen times. And also, you know, when I first became interested in studying film, uh, I took a class in high school, actually. And Jaws was the first movie that we watched and analyzed. And we watched it on Laserdisc. So it had to be flipped over halfway through the movie but it had a lot of bonus features on it too which i'd never seen anything like oh, that man. before the documentary <laughs> on the laserdisc about the making of the movie is just amazing yes. it's one of the one of the, the first ever making ofs i saw and it's still one of my favorites to this day look i could geek off about jaws all day let's get to the actual quiz multiple choice options ha i shit it we got none of that business oh, instead wow. we have got quotes to start off with and we start with martin brody the hero of the story Brody said it, and I need you to complete the line. And what I need you to do, Superfan David, is pick a number between one and four. Some are easy, some are tough, but they've been randomised. Okay, uh, we'll start with number one, please. Number one. You picked an easy one. Complete the line, please. That's some bad hat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now I feel dumb. That's... uh, I know it. That's some bad hat. At least I know that David can't be looking things up. It is Harry, David. You get a point. It was there there in my head somewhere. Something about that, Harry. James, Uh, just to clarify, that was an easy one? That was the easy one. All right, GG, everybody. Joe, you have two, three, and four available to you. Question two, please. I can do anything. I'm the... Chief of Police. Correct for a point. Tight game. Three and four are available, David. Number three, please. Number three. I can go slow ahead. Come on down here and... Oh, um... Come on down here and... It's something to do with the charm, isn't it? The it come is. Come on down here and... Come on down here and... I'll give you a point if you're close. Like slop some of this charm or chuck some of this charm. Do you know what? I'll give you the point. I want, wait, wait, I want to steal. I want to steal. All right, Joe. If you can do it verbatim, I'll give you the point. Chum some of this shit. It is. It's the moment uh. when the shark first appears. So, Joe, I will allow you to steal that, even though David led you down the path. Joe, your question. 
It's only an I knew I knew that one anyway. I knew okay. it anyway. It's only an island if you look at it. I knew it. From the outside. No, David, you can steal. From the sea. From the water, close enough. So it's a tied game, two points apiece. And now we have quotes from Quint. I won't do the voice. Ooh. David, give me a number between one and four. Okay, uh, let's go number four this time. Number four. For that, you get the head, the tail. The whole damn lot. The whole damn thing, close enough. The I'll give you the points. Joe, one, David, two, or three. Stop using English words like lot and sea. We don't we don't say either of those things. Joseph, one, two, or three. I'll go three, please. What do you have there? A portable shower or a A uh, I, I don't know. David, do you know? I can remember the words, a portable shower. Or, no, I don't think I know that one. No. It's as Hooper is loading his kit onto the orca. Is it a portable shower or a monkey cage? So no uh, one scores a point there. And David, it's your question. One or two? Let's uh, go number two. It's another Quint quote. Here's to swimming with... Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. Correct. For a point. You're 4-2 up. Joe, question one. Okay, so we drink to our... Oh, man. So we drink to our... Scars? Where are the scars? Uh... Our bodies. David, you can steal. Is it legs? It is legs for a point. Uh. Nice. And we can't leave out Richard Dreyfus. Hooper quotes. David, one, two, three, or four? Number, uh, number four, please. Number four. You are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and... Bites you in the ass. Indeed, for a point. You're six, two up. Joe, one, two, or three? Uh, can you stop asking him the only ones I know the answers to? Uh, <laughs> two, please. It wasn't any propeller, and it wasn't any coral reef. And it wasn't... And it wasn't a jellyfish? No. David? Uh, I got it. it wasn't any propeller, it wasn't any coral reef, it wasn't a something, it was a shark attack. But I don't know what the something is. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't... I'm going to know it the second you tell me it. Okay, well, at this point, he's being facetious with the medical examiner. He says it wasn't Jack the Ripper. That's ah, it. right. Okay, so, David, it's your second question. One or three? Um, let's go number one. Boys, oh, boys, I think he's come back for his... Dinner? No, Joe, you can steal. Uh, uh, afternoon feeding? Close enough. Noon feeding is the answer. Uh. You get a point. And, uh, Joe, your question. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be... Thanksgiving dinner? Nope. David? <laughs> he's talking to the mayor, isn't he? Um, he's lining up to be... Uh... I don't think it's fish food, but... No, it's hot think. lunch. 
Uh, so, lunch. so the end of the quotes round, the score is six points to David, three points to Joe. We now come to the trivia round. There are four questions with bonuses attached. David, you get to pick one, two, three, or four. I can't start with number one. Can we steal bonuses? Yes. You're still okay. in the game, Joe. Don't worry. Uh, David, what is the name of the fisherman whose mutilated corpse pops out from a chewed-up boat, providing the movie oh, with its biggest scare? That's, uh, that's old Ben Gardner. It is Ben Gardner for a point, and there is a bonus what? question. Hooper panics when the body appears. What does he drop? He drops the big shark tooth. He does indeed. Two points scored there. Joe, two, three, or four? Two, please. How long does Hooper estimate the shark to be? Oh, man. 12 feet. No, David, you can steal. It's more than that. Is it 30 feet? No, it was 20 feet. Joe, there is a bonus, which still goes to you. How okay. long does Quint estimate the shark to be? 25 feet. Correct. You get a point for that. <laughs> David, three or four? Number three. Name the first two human victims. First names and last names. I'll give you one point for each. Um, so the first, the, the woman at the very beginning. She has a name. She is called Chrissy Watkins. She is for a point. Wow. Who is the, the second human second. victim? I'm sorry, Pippet the dog, but you don't count. It's not. Is it Alex? Alex the boy. Kindner. Kindner. Alex Kindner, he's got it for another point. Yes. That one I knew. Shit. Okay. So here is your bonus question, David. Alex's mum nearly, nearly stops him from going back into the water, which would have saved his life, uh -huh. by the way. What does she, why does she nearly stop him? Um, he's, is it to do with Suntan is he getting sunburnt? No, you're she thinking along the right lines, but it's not quite there. Joe, do you mm. know? He's pruning? Yes, his fingers are beginning to prune. <laughs> Joe, let's see if you can salvage a little bit of respect here. How What's much? The score? It's uh it's 10-5. Okay, fine. But it, it's a bigger score than you thought you'd get. Yeah. I'm accentuating the positive here, people. Uh how much <laughs> is the reward for finding the shark? Five thousand dollars. It's not, David. Ten thousand. No, it's not. It's three thousand. Joe, you get the bonus though. How much does Quint want for finding the shark? Ten thousand dollars. He does indeed. So Joe gets the last point of the game. The score is ten six to David. I enjoyed that so much. And David, I hope you enjoy playing in a satellite for PokerStars Championship Prague because we're going to ship you that ticket. And also, we will give you. And there's a tear in my eye as I say this. The last of the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodies. Oh, they have, Thank they you have very much. literally run out. So from next week, we'll be offering a different prize. No more Chop Pot hoodies. David, you get the last one. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for coming on the show and congrats. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye. All right, my babies, that is just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, we've got more TV recap. Monaco, episode number three. So remember, it's the same feature table as in episode two. It's the continuing story of Negranu 
Elke and Ensan, and we will get the insights of a player who was sharing that table for a while. Selena Lynn will be next week's guest. And remember, Joe, write it down somewhere. Selena teased that there has been another calamity in her life. I think it involved her foot. So we have to get that story. There's no way that I will not ask her about that. Also, this weekend, I've been asked to host a poker charity event for the Boys and Girls Club of Carlsbad, California. So I will have some live poker to talk about next week. Um, they're going to have me play in some – I'm going to host the event, and then I'm going to play in a sit-and-go for, like, the nice. super high rollers, like the people that want to buy back in for, like, another grand get to play against me. So I'll be able to talk about that. That sounds fun. We still need super fans, people. Thank you, by the okay. way, to previous super fans who are trying to get on the show a second time. I'm sure there will come a time – when that will happen. Super, as, super fan versus Stapes. Yes, but for as long as first-time applicants are still applying, they're going to be prioritized. So if you want to be on the show, send us your idea for a specialist subject, hashtag poker in the ears. And remember, I'm going to do a draw next week. I'm going to give away a moneymaker-related prize to everyone who tweets a picture of General Zod at Sea Moneymaker. Don't forget, guys, rate, review, subscribe to the show. We would love to read your comments on the air, and we would love to continue doing this forever and ever and ever. That is all the time we've got for this week's show at this point. So for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.